You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Hello and welcome to TFM's local watering hole, and I am just one of your hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and here with me, as she is pretty much every single week, to talk about more of Marvel's never-ending story, Christy Morris. Wow, I'm not sure if I should sing never-ending story or uh, keep... (laughs) Keep up with the alliteration. More (laughs) Marvel madness. (laughs) Uh, Well, I was just thinking about how, like, phase four never seems to end. Like, it just keeps going, and we we actually have no indication as to when it will end. Um, and mm-hmm. so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're back here, uh, in the Marvel universe. We're going to be here. I feel like every few weeks, uh, this year, uh, cause they keep having new shows coming out and then movies and all anyway. Well, we're excited because we have back Amanda and Amanda, uh, and Christy. Thank you both for taking time out of your busy schedule of packing for Star Wars celebration to be on the show tonight. No problem. This is going to be a good one. This was a fun show. Well, I'm excited to talk about it with both of you because I honestly have no idea what either of you thought of the show. And I don't think I've really shared what I've... I don't think we... Anywhere. So we're going to be talking about Moon Knight tonight. Uh, And we're excited to be here. A quick uh, reminder, of course, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We would really appreciate it if you would help the podcast out by giving us either a star rating, a review on places like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Guys, it makes a huge difference when you do that. We really appreciate it when people take the time out to do that. Uh, especially on Apple Podcasts. If you give us a written review, we read those on the show. Uh, You can also uh, find us on social media at the 602 Club on Twitter. Um, We're on Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. You can also find us on Facebook with the rest of the network at www.facebook.com slash trekfm. You can also find the listeners learning discussion group there called the Babel Conference where you can join listeners from all over the world and uh just talk to them about all of the different shows we're doing. Of course, we're also on uh, line, our main website as track.fm. And we really appreciate it if you would go over to patreon.com slash track.fm and become one of our partners. This is so expensive to do, and we do so many different shows, so we'd really appreciate your help. Uh, and every little bit really makes a big difference. So go to patreon.com slash track.fm and become part of the team today. So... Before we got into anything else, I was really interested in if either of you was familiar with the character of Moon Knight before coming into the show. I was not. I really didn't have any kind of idea of what I was walking into besides what I had heard about the character prior to the show releasing. So for me, this was like a whole new adventure. What about you, Christy? Yeah, I was exactly the same. Uh, It's interesting (laughs) because usually I'm pretty familiar with a lot of the at least legacy characters, I guess I would call them, you know, like your Spider-Mans and whatnot. But this, I feel like was probably a little newer. And maybe that's why... 
I wasn't as familiar with him. Yeah, I I don't think that I'd really ever heard of Moon Knight before this. And I did just a little bit of background research before the show came out just to kind of familiarize myself with who this character was. And I'm honestly glad that I did um, just because I feel like, especially that first episode, I felt so lost as to like, what the heck is going on? Um, so that didn't really help either. So I'm glad that I kind of had some inkling what was happening. Um, but you know, we'll, I'm sure get into that a little bit more, but you know, this show is based around a, a troubled hero, uh, a, a character that has dissociative identity disorder and we spend most of our time with two of the main identities, uh, with um, Mark Spector and Stephen Grant. Uh, and so first, I just wanted to kind of ask you about that, because this is a very different type of show than Marvel has done. I say I would say, except for what we saw on like the Netflix shows, this one felt a a lot darker than we had been before. And it, it's definitely probably the most out there in terms of like storytelling. And of course with just, you know, Mark and Steven as kind of this dual personality going on with a possible third wheel in there somewhere. Yeah. I, I'm with you where it was definitely a little jarring the first episode, trying to keep up with, his different identities and what was going on and who is this other person. And then you've got, you know, when he ends up waking up in the middle of this bad dream, he has no idea where he's at and you can hear his alter speaking mm -hmm. while he's himself. And it was really confusing until I kind of got a grasp of how all of these transitions were going to work as the show progressed. But I think still they kind of continue to surprise you as the show goes along. It's like, no, this is the new normal. No, this is the new normal. And you're like, <laughs> wait, which normal is the right one or the real one? There isn't one. Right? <laughs> there is no normal. Right? <laughs> it does not it, exist in this show. <laughs> that's the big thing I will say. It works in its favor, but also really makes you, um, I feel like I kind of bugged out a little bit going, what? Because it gets so <laughs> existential. If you've ever taken a philosophy class, it gets to like that whole discussion about whether or not a pen is really what it means to you. Or, you know, like to a dog, it's a chew toy. I was going, oh, no, we're getting into this now. Oh, man. You know, it's like a, it, it's all just constructs. Who can, who can say what's real? That mm -hmm. just freaks me out. I can't. <laughs> Not tangible enough for you. Yeah. Nope. I like to think that <laughs> what I see every day is real and we're not going to mess with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's fair. That's very fair. So we spend... A majority of the beginning of the show with the character Steven, um, who is kind of this, he's this mild mannered or seems to be this mild mannered, you know, British gift shop employee and whose life gets completely turned upside down, as you mentioned, 
uh, Amanda when he wakes up in this dream and he, he's been having this continually happen where he's waking up and he doesn't understand why he is a certain place because he's been blacking out. So what did you think of his persona throughout the show? Because really, he's kind of our lead in to everything and the person who through whose eyes we're kind of experiencing the rest of this show. Um, Steven threw me off at first. It was not what I was expecting, especially watching the um, trailers coming up to it. So that was a little um, unexpected that it was this super mild mannered because you're waiting for the superhero and then you're kind of seeing everything through this super wallflowery point of view. So I thought that was a really unique way to start off the show and a really unique perspective to be telling all of this from because usually our mains are like these action-packed fearless people and we genuinely get to see him be terrified by what's going on within himself not even necessarily the situations he's in but also just dealing with himself throughout the show so it was different i liked it it was my kind of weird just like loki was my kind of weird i like the weird stuff (laughs) About you, Christy. It just reminds me <laughs> of it. Christy, you remember when we uh, did Dr. Horrible sing along blog? Yes. And there's that song is like, we like the weird stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought of. I'm glad we're on the same brainwave. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it, it's exactly what you're saying, Amanda. Like he, you don't expect this kind of character at all. Um, mm-hmm. I like that they show that he has suddenly started to expect something is up but he doesn't know how to figure it out like he goes about his day like a normal person would except he also has an ankle wrap (laughs) to sleep with at night restraints in his bed yeah y'all don't do that the um no no i think that's just you yeah that's good to know (laughs) so you know there are these things that he can tell are off but he doesn't know how to really get to the root of it until things start happening more and more mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you do feel terrible for him with finally feeling like he's found a date and then finds out that he totally missed it and she's very angry as that, anyone yeah. would be yeah being stood up <laughs> i think yeah I, I i suspect you know most women are normally angry when you miss a date and haven't called them, you know, within some kind of excuse. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really interesting because I I remember texting a friend while I was watching uh, one of the first couple episodes, I, maybe even the first three episodes, and I was just like, I am so annoyed with Steven because he keeps messing mm-hmm. everything up for the rest of the story when it comes, because like, Especially when you figure out who Mark is and who Steven is. And like Mark's the one who is pursuing kind of the main storyline. And Steven seems to be the road bump every time. And he just kind of like screws things up. So I had a very difficult time with him as a character. And it was... You know, obviously it it's not till the end of the show that they explain why he exists as uh, a alternate version of Mark. We actually find out that kind of our our main 
at least as far as we know. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Jake Lockley in a minute, but, you know, Mark is kind of like the main person. He's the real person. Steven is the 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 person he created to deal with what happened with his mother mm-hmm. and the way his mother treated him after, and she accuses him, of course, of being uh, responsible for his brother's death. Um, and which just, it was... I mean, that story was just so disturbing, um, the the way that she deals with it. So Steven is this character that I just really struggled with until really the end of the show when him and Mark are basically copacetic, where it's like they can switch between each other, they can kind of talk to each other, and it's like, okay, we finally got to a place where I don't hate this character anymore, Uh, but it was really frustrating because most of the show he was a character that I found not as much fun to be with as Mark until the end. And then it makes more sense. And part of that, it's just almost like some of the issues I think I have with the show. I'll talk about later, but yeah, I think um, it was, it was really interesting. It was really interesting um, to, to kind of, see how they pulled this off and then of course we find out at the very end there is a third wheel that neither of them is really aware of and he is well a ruthless murderer um and capable of apparently incredible acts of violence that neither of them is expecting and that was interesting as well because they'll both end up blacking out and they never even show this character really until the, the very end of the show. And you kind of like, Oh, well that explains things. Yeah. And I mean, they did have the one blackout where neither of them were able to account for what had happened about midpoint in the show. Mm -hmm. And they're both just kind of like, was that you? No. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, <laughs> that was a little. And that when was it, a little much. And when it first <laughs> happened, I don't know about you guys, but did you also think like me that it was Conshu first causing the blackouts? Yeah, I did. Well, not I didn't think that Conshu was causing the switching between alters necessarily, but maybe that blackout had been his him taking charge. I guess, mm-hmm. but. I don't know, maybe even he has a line that he won't cross that he needs to make up another altar for Mark well, cause like, so that Mark can cross it. At first, it, it didn't come across like dissociative identity disorder to me. It came across like, oh, it's just his superpower. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he blacks out and his powers take over. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it takes a while for the show to kind of put all the pieces together for you. Yeah, like, and but I thought that, that was made, intentional. It it is intentional, yeah. but I also don't know if it was necessarily the smartest move that they made. Um, <laughs> just because, as we both we all mentioned, like especially that first episode, it's so much of like what the heck is going on. Especially, I you know I put it this way to a friend of mine who has read Moon Knight before. He I said like one percent of the world knows who Moon Knight actually is in the first place. And he pretty much agreed. 
and and I think you know when you're dipping into these characters that in Marvel territory would be like C D E level characters, you know that are just really kind of niche things. I don't know if the way that they structure the show really helped um, in that, but I, I I was also really interested to find out, and I and and I didn't get this from the show, but reading, I was very interested to see that this is supposedly supposed to be a Jewish character who then is linked with Egyptian mythology, which wow, does that create a lot of issues when you think of you know Jewish history in Egypt doesn't it's not mm-hmm. really copacetic um so that was a very i like i was like huh i didn't did either of you get that from the show at all i didn't realize that mark was jewish until it was a little bit further into the series when he was having memories with his father mm-hmm. and then all of that kind of clicked into place and i was like oh and I think he mentioned something about a yarmulke earlier on. Well, I remember the first mention was he said it, um, about his mom dying that his dad asked if he was coming to Shiva. Shiva. Yeah. 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 And and that's when I knew. That's but I mean, was. definitely before then, you would have never had an inkling of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a me, very interesting choice to me. And it was interesting mainly because it didn't really seem to play into the show which I thought it would have been more interesting if it had played a little bit more into the show, maybe like especially Mm -hmm. the struggle of being in, you know, completely overtaken by an Egyptian god just seems like it would be kind of an interesting dilemma for a Jewish person. So even if you aren't a religious Jew, still seems like it would be weird. So Well, and it seems like it may have been an idea they started with and then because they had so much they had to explore with the mental illness and with the Egyptian history that there was just no time to explore that. But then they should have cut it. (laughs) Yeah, it could be. And again, for anyone who's listening and has probably read the comics and you could be yelling at us. Well, I mean, we haven't all read the comics and therefore this is all, these are all things to which if you're just coming in new to a show like this, it's incumbent on the show to be able to explain those type of things, you know, uh, and why they're important. And if they don't, mm-hmm. it's not our fault for not knowing. So um, I, I think that's definitely one of those really important things when it comes to uh, comic books. So our villain was actually somebody who had been Conchu's previous avatar before Mark Spencer. And has actually, uh, at this point, is now a cult leader of the Egyptian goddess Amit, who wants to exact judgment and justice based on future crimes. So basically, we're in Minority Report now. Um, And by doing so, his desire is to resurrect her so she can purge humanity of evil by wiping out everyone who has or will commit evil deeds. So you're saying, one, basically she's worse than Thanos, almost, and (laughs) two, will anybody really be left on this planet? Because I can't imagine that any of us wouldn't be considered, like, what do you consider evil? 
And then even in the show, they bring to question, like, what if a child has a thought of, you know, oh, I'm so mad about something right now. Like, are you going Mm -hmm. to start harming every child who has an off-the-cuff thought about being upset about something? Mm -hmm. Or anyone in a moment of passion or rage who considers something that's a little less than, you know, what one would say was good? Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean they are going to act on those impulses. And that's where we get into this really ugly area of, has anyone alive ever not had that impulse? Yeah. Or made a mistake. Or made a mistake or had just thoughts of doing something that's not good, but they would never, ever actually act on them. Mm -hmm. I mean, case in point, if that was the case for everyone (laughs) on the planet, then Mark and Steven wouldn't be around anymore because he accidentally got his brother killed. Yeah. Yep. And and I think like, this is where the, do you draw that line? Right. This this is the thing that really I I would say one of the app things that really bothered me about the show is how stupid the villain was and the desire that they had. Like it just doesn't make sense because you know they do this whole thing about how we're you're judging your scales, you know, and it's like I'm sorry. But nobody's scales are ever going to be balanced. We're human beings and we frack up all the time and and we hurt people and we do evil things all the time. We're human. That's what that's part of what it means to be human. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. it's just what it is. And so you you can't have this world judged by whether or not somebody will do we're all going to do evil at some point like so everyone's going to die it this it just really honestly kind of made me frustrated because the villain was so stupid and what they wanted was so dumb um because it was impossible like it's just impossible and to your point, too, if you look at the fight between Amit and um, Khonshu, he says, who would be left for you to rule? Mm-hmm. No one. <laughs> yeah. 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 So basically, I mean, it, this is kind of like the the worship of a death cult, really, um, mm-hmm. because that's really what they are. And and the and I love that, Christy, you bringing up what Khonshu said, because it's totally true. And in many ways, like, it almost seemed like this would also be the death of free will because, like, people would never be able to make any choices, right, if there was anybody left, which is the big question. Would there be anybody left? Probably not. So, I guess you want to rule the world by yourself? Good luck with that. Have fun. (laughs) That sounds like a blast. Sounds like sitting in a graveyard. Uh, in the yeah. desert, Ooh. yeah, <laughs> like party at the graveyard, man. Ooh. Planet Earth, yeah, <laughs> so much fun, dude. You got to check it out. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just kind of, um, if you can't tell, I was just super annoyed, and I think it's it's the the show, um, lost a lot of credibility with me because of the stupidity of the villain, and it, I mean, because. It just didn't make sense what they're looking for. Um, mm-hmm. 
But it was an interesting premise, I thought, at least. It's just the way that they then explain it out, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Well, and so the big difference here, too, is like that, you know, Conchu and his relationship with Mark, he uses Mark to punish those that have already done evil. Um, And and not just evil, but like, you know, we're we're talking like he's taking out murderers and that kind of thing, right? So, which I think you know we would all, uh, it's like we kind of don't really have a problem with that, right? You know, it's kind of like the Dexter thing. Yeah. Um, we're like, mm-hmm. yeah, go for it, man. That sounds perfect. Like, dude, all right. Um, this. You know, and and I mean, you know, Conchu's relationship with with Mark is fraught anyway, uh, because you know we're kind of led to believe he he's kind he kind of used Mark or he woos Mark to his side to do this job at a very um, inopportune time. Mark's dying. <laughs> So it's like, hey, you want to do this or you want to die? You know, so it's like (laughs) you have the question of really is Mark having a choice here either? And so it's just, I I don't know. Um, I I was kind of frustrated by a lot of the, the choices here, but specifically, yeah, the villain really bothered me. I meant to say one funny thing. I don't know if either of you ever saw before a movie called Dragonheart. Oh, yeah. Did Conchu's voice not sound exactly like Sean Connery doing the voice of Draco in that it, movie? It seemed very similar. Um, this is actually, I think... It's obviously a, a different person voicing him. Yeah, but, yeah. No, this is somebody um, that... Uh, but yeah, Amanda, if you ever listen to Draco for a second and then come back and listen to Conchu, it's eerie how similar they are. So this is a, a voice that would, would be very familiar to Star Trek fans. F. Murray Abraham, who's in Star Trek Insurrection, uh, and classically trained actor, you know, uh, great actor. But yeah, his 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 voice did feel, I think, Christy, you're, you're absolutely right in pulling that out. It did feel very familiar uh, in that sense. Like, uh, so, yeah. Like big, and, and, booming... And, it was great. I mean, it was a very good choice for that character. I think he he did a fantastic job, and and I I really um, felt like that's exactly what you would expect, right? Like I, I thought that was really well done, actually. So mm-hmm. one of the things that we find out uh, later in the uh, in the show and in like uh, episode three I think it is is that we see that Mark is actually married uh, and we meet his we meet his wife uh, and so what did you think about her as a character and then specifically I mean you know she ends up becoming Layla ends up becoming her own hero in the end, uh, by being the avatar of an, one of the other gods. I really enjoyed her character throughout the show. Um, I thought that she was kind of punchy and sarcastic, but rolling with everything. Cause clearly she can tell that something's not right. Um, 
but she's still angry and rightfully so because of where her and Mark had left things off and he just kind of ditched her. And then he, she meets him as his altar again and everything's just kind of a dumpster fire. And I thought that she had very um, believable reactions to everything that was happening within the show, within the parameters of, Oh my God, this is just so weird. (laughs) Like, how how does one react in that kind of a situation when you find out that your husband is also another person who is also a superhero? Right. Well, and, and she's finding out at the same time that he's got dissociative identity disorder. Yep. <laughs> so I, I liked her character. I liked her, um, her moxie. So I, I enjoyed her. That's a good word for her. Yes. She, I thought so. she did have moxie. Um, yeah, she was very, um, engaging. I felt like the actress did such a great job at getting across the emotion of what she was going through as well. Um, because you know, you're right, Amanda, like they were married. She had this whole relationship with a completely different person, even though they're in the same body. Um, and then she's just going, where is this accent coming from? Or I can't tell if you're joking. Yep. I'm so confused, um, but I guess we're in this together. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I like that they reconcile, you know, even through the things that she found out about what he did or, you know, did by association to her father. I'm glad that they didn't make Mark the villain and say he killed her father. But um, it was interesting that they added that he was present and it was his partner Mm -hmm. that killed her father yeah so um that was huge yeah that that was definitely uh, i think really interesting i I thought you know she kind of reminded me in many ways of a lot of the old school hollywood types where uh, if you've ever seen the holiday um, he describes them as having gumption. Um, mm, and I, yep. I really kind of uh, saw her as that type of character, which I think really works uh, for the the move for the show. And I liked her a lot. Um, you know, I, I thought, too, that one of the really interesting things that they did was they, they created her as a character for the show um, and changed her for the show. Uh, by making her Egyptian, which I thought was really, really fun um, to be able to, you know, you're playing with all this Egyptian mythology, uh, and then you end up having a character uh, that is Egyptian becoming an Egyptian superhero, you know, which I think was really a fun idea. Like, why not? You know, this is this is one of those things where, like, it, it makes complete sense of where you can change things uh, and just, I think, truly make it work. Uh, in a way that feels organic and smart. So I thought that was a really wise idea. Um, And I thought the way that she played off Isaac's performance, you know, Isaac's performance here, uh, we didn't talk about when we were talking about um, um, Mark and uh, Stephen and and Jake, but he's fantastic. I mean, he's the main Mm -hmm. reason that you would want to watch this show in the first place. Um, And I think that she does a great job of playing off both versions of him 
really well, which is exactly what you want. And so, yeah, I thought that that was fantastic. So, um, you know, all in all, to me, I think they do a great job together. And um, I thought she was a great choice as this character. So um, did you did you guys know that that they had changed uh, her character to be Egyptian? No, I did not. No. So yeah. that was a good change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know why it worked you really well. wouldn't. I mean, it just seemed like it. It, it right. Made You're sense. so immersed anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And and the perfect. I mean, you know, when we talk about like representation and all those type of things, like it's like, well, why wouldn't you? Um, there's no reason not to. You're not hurting the character anyway. Um, you're actually really helping the character. Mm-hmm. And I I, I did want to add um to piggyback off what you were saying about. Oscar Isaac, Matt, um, it was a little jarring um, with him initially doing the Stephen voice because, I don't know, it just felt like initially somebody not knowing which British accent they were going with (laughs) and like the pitch also changing a lot. We were like, really high. And so Michael and I were watching together and going, what is happening? Is it him? Is it the way it's written? I'm I don't know. But the fact that he's not actually British and has no real foothold in London does make it make more sense. Yeah. That he's imitating, he's parroting, and it's created off of a really badly done kids action show. Well, true. Yeah. So but I was going to say you could have called, called John Boyega. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, I mean... It was definitely an interesting choice. Uh, I'll I'll give you that, and uh, I think you know that's um, it wasn't. It probably wasn't my favorite accent choice either. Um, but you know, I I think it wasn't bad uh, or terrible or anything. I just didn't necessarily love it. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I, I wanted to ask both of you about the action and the effects here and the design work. Obviously all that's really important when you're introducing a new Marvel hero and everything. And so how did you guys think that that worked? Um, I enjoyed the action and effects. I thought that the hippo could have been maybe done better. She looked a little out of place in comparison to how the other gods, the other Egyptian gods had been done Mm -hmm. a little less effort was maybe put into her (laughs) or maybe she was made to be intentionally a little bit goofier looking but i that was the only really lacking spot that was like whoa she's a huge focus for this episode and she looks kind of not as good as the others did but okay Mm -hmm. no and i think too it was probably throwing people off because it's such a different tone of character personality from the other two Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it, we're very serious and, you know, these two characters that Amit is all about judgment and um, Khonshu is all about vengeance. And then you've got, yeah. hey, <laughs> yeah, they definitely have like a spooky aesthetic. And then she's like this big buoyant hippo. And you're like, right. what? Like, I love that their first reaction <laughs> is what anyone's first reaction would be in that case. The screaming. <laughs> 
Yeah. Because it's not terrifying. You just don't know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, we feel the same about that. I I thought that the action was fantastic. I think especially mm-hmm. once you finally get to the um, all the scenes with the pyramids, because I've always been obsessed with Egyptian history anyway. Um, but then I think especially having the effects of the priests that have been brought back from the dead that are pulling people apart and stuff. It just horrific, but it also yeah. really well done. Um, and, it, you know, I thought that the only times that it really wasn't as great as I expected it would be is the final fight with Harrow and Amit and, you know, the effects of the purple purple haze (laughs) is all i can call it yeah um but otherwise i it definitely had me along for the ride i was clutching my blanket um and i think that the costume design was really cool i think that for moon knight it was a perfect representation of what you would expect and then having the glowing eyes gives them some mystery um and then you know like Mm -hmm. you were talking about matt with um Layla's costume when she becomes um, the avatar of the goddess, I thought was cool. I, I liked it was it was a little similar to the suit we saw for Wonder Woman 1984, but it was different enough that I think that it it just feels reminiscent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, all in all, uh, the action part it is was pretty well done uh, for the movie. Uh, for the show, so I don't think that was an issue. Um, I think the design work was was not bad. Uh, you know, I think all design work for the costumes and everything was really cool. Uh, you know, I, I thought Moon Knight looked uh, good in costume when he was standing there and those kind of things. Uh, the different choices of costume for Moon Knight and Mister Moon Knight were were funny too. Uh, of course, with him having the the white suit. Um, I, I would say, I think that the effects work was really uneven though in the show. I think there were parts where it looked okay. And then there were parts where it just like looked really cheap. Um, in fact, I don't know if either of you have seen the new trailer for She-Hulk and it looks really bad. Like... Um, there are parts of this too that look really bad in in the sense of just the look of the effects work, and I mm-hmm. don't know if it's just that they're trying to do so many of these shows plus movies that the effects house just don't have time. I don't know, but there are some scenes here where it just like, oh, that's not good, and so that kind of thing. When you had a show like this where it was there was a lot of a grounded nature to it, and then they do these like massive effects work shots, and it just like kind of pulls you out because you were in this really grounded universe and now you're not um yeah, that part was was pretty frustrating for me um but you know, like the fight scenes and stuff i I thought a lot of that again because a lot of it was more grounded was was pretty cool. Christy, I think you rightly called out that final fight scene, which just looks not great. Um, it it kind of mm-hmm. looks like a video game uh, in a really bad way. So, um, yeah, 
I, I wanted to ask you a question kind of as, as we're getting towards the end, but one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that you just have all the gods. Um, and this show confirms that not only obviously are the Egyptian gods and the belief system and the, their afterlife and all that something that exists in the Marvel Universe, so does the Wakandan. Uh, uh, and so I was I was really interested in this because it it felt like it was creating one of the same problems that I had with Eternals, where we're getting too meta for our own good. Um, if all of these gods for all of these different religions are quote-unquote real in the Marvel Universe, to me this just kind of creates a huge problem of, like, credulity. And, like, how is how is that even possible? How could these all exist on different planes of existence and be true? And I, I just, when we, Chris, you were talking about the philosophical nature of things. Like, this is the thing that really threw me for a loop because it's like, it doesn't really make a ton of sense to me um, for all of these things to be able to exist simultaneously. Um, you know, one of the things they did with Thor was they, they didn't make them actual gods. They made them beings from another planet that was sufficiently advanced so that it felt indistinguishable for magic, right? But to go this far for there to be actual, like, Greek, actual Egyptian gods, well, it's like, well, then are there Greek gods still existing? Or, you know, like, I don't know. It just, it seems like a really weird thing to kind of introduce into the Marvel Cinematic Universe that had really been relatively grounded in the sense of, uh, you know, not so metaphysical. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wasn't taking it as necessarily like that far, I guess, down the rabbit hole as you went with it. Matt, um, I was just kind of likening it to there being other universes that they have been exploring and all of these things can coexist. I do think that some of the themes, again, that they were tackling in this one were a little too existential to, you know, swallow in one show, especially a show that already had so much chaos in it. <laughs> so we hopefully not another big messy sandwich, but you know, they were trying to pack a lot of a lot of ideas into that. Um, but for me, I just kind of took it as, okay, so it's kind of like, well, in this universe, we have this. In this universe, we have that. We also have all of these beings from different worlds. So maybe just categorizing it into there and not maybe getting so cut down into like, well, if these gods exist, then do these gods exist? Mm-hmm. I guess that's easier for me to compartmentalize it. You're taking the Doctor Strange approach. Yep. There's there's multiverses and this could exist parallel to this one. Yep. And that that's a good way to make sense of it. You know, especially I'm sure a lot of people do that um, with this show. I kind of I think I was along the same lines as that of expect. um making sense of it by 
putting that rule on it. Yeah. Um, because I really didn't think about it that deeply as how it fits in with the rest of the MCU, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think that it was really cool to bring something like Egyptian history into a superhero story to make it more grounded and to give it a new edge when it feels like a lot of stories you're wondering if you know how much more of a story are they going to be able to tell that's unique from all the other ones in the Marvel universe you know yeah um so this was different and I liked that the difference um but I do think that it it got too big um, and you know, it's, it's the same issue, like you mentioned, Matt, with Eternals, where it, it gets to a point where you're going, this is just more than the human mind can deal with. Um, and that's the reason probably why we don't sit around all the time talking about whether or not what we're experiencing is actually quote unquote real right now, <laughs> because we would freak out. <laughs> yeah. Let's not cause therapy sessions with our TV shows. <laughs> But Amanda, they want <laughs> you to reflect on that. <laughs> yeah, but I don't have the kind of money it would take to reflect on that safely. So we're just going to call it a day, okay? <laughs> so, yeah, I think we're we're in agreement, Matt, but maybe that you went a little deeper thinking mm-hmm. about how it fits together. Yeah. Yeah, I think part of it was, you know, the way that it's structured, like... Yeah, just it seemed very difficult to to comprehend how all of these things play together, um, mm-hmm. and you know it just it, it's it is one of those things. I think you said it well, Christy, where it's just like, and and you too, Amanda, where it's like it just feels like it's too much. Like we've reached mm-hmm. the limit, um, and I I think we definitely talked about that with Eternals, where we just felt like, wow, there's a limit to what the Marvel universe can hold. And this maybe feels like a, a little bit too far. Like it, it just can't hold the metaphysical realities of like, you know, different gods and and those kind of things. So yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting thing. Um, a couple of other issues that I had with the show. One was in the episode where Conchu rolls back time, literally. I was like, this is absolutely the dumbest thing I've ever seen because there are legitimately computer programs that can tell you and show you exactly what the night sky looks like at any point in history. There's no reason for them to do this other than the fact that they need a reason for Kanchu to be vulnerable so he'll be able to be captured and put into stone form. So he's gone for a few episodes. I was like, I was really mad at the show. Because it was really dumb. Um, but it looks yeah. cool, Matt. It did. It, it was the French fry. It was the vehicle <laughs> for whatever dipping sauce you're using. Yeah. That, it, it was the French fry of the show. And they just needed something to be big enough of an uh-oh. And the way you use your to hands to make it move. And it, let's just like <laughs> swirl it. <laughs> uh, I was just, I was like, come on, writers. Like, You have to think of a much better reason for Kanchu being captured than this, because this doesn't actually make sense um, as a as a thing, Uh, because, again, if you know anything, 
Like, you know that, seriously, these kind of programs exist. You know, it, they're, they're, you needed a better reason. So I was just really disappointed, honestly. It was one of those places where the show completely lost me. And I think from that point on, I was actually a little bit, like, turned off from the show just because it was like, this choice is for plot reasons, not for, like, any logical reasons. And I hate that. I hate that. Like, that's bad writing. Um, right, like you're if, letting plot dictate story. Yeah, yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just disappointed. I mean, like, it, you, I feel like you've got to find better better choices. Uh, so, yeah, it, it really it really bothered me. Um, I do want to ask you this. As another issue I had is that to me, one of the things that I felt like this show is I either, like the Book of Boba Fett, this show needed to be released two episodes at a time to help with the flow and to help people better grasp the story. We all mentioned how episode one, we were just like, what? Um, I feel like episode one and two together actually made more sense and made it a lot easier to kind of understand it it grasped it onto at least something and then three and four and then five and six i think all of that would have just worked much better that or in all honesty i'm finding that most of these marvel shows would work better as a two-hour movie and i think this specifically would have worked much better as a film because one of the things about episodic television is that you usually are wrapping up a story, right? And then you go to the next one. And they may have some connections, right? But the the, the problem is is that these are basically like six-hour movies. But it doesn't need to actually be six hours. You legitimately could have done this as a two-hour, 15-minute movie, and it would have been much more, I think, satisfying because you know from beginning to end with the film, you're going to get a wrap-up, right? You, you know, you're going to... Mm-hmm. And, and especially with introducing a character, I feel like, like Moon Knight, who most people have no idea who it is, it would have been much more successful to introduce this as one film as their origin story. I don't know. How did you guys feel about that? Does that make any sense? Yeah. Um, I think that either one of those routes would have been nice with the um, faster or the more episodes or um, the movie style film. I think I definitely could have done with less time in the asylum. Mm-hmm. That was getting a little bit redundant going like into their reality and then back and forth and back and forth. For a while, that was that was a little unnecessary, I felt like, um, besides, like, getting to see Oscar and Oscar acting with himself, mm-hmm. which I think that was the most enjoyable part of all of that. Um, but yeah, I, I do see that there would have been a little more value maybe with multiple release or a film, probably a film. That's what I was going to add to that. It- 
I feel like I would lean more toward a film working better for this just because then there wouldn't be any breaks. And Mm -hmm. then too, you know, I would love to see this through the eyes of someone in editing to say where they would do the cuts. And I think a thousand percent, you're right, Amanda, that there was too much time spent there when it could have been used to explain some of the other things that they didn't dive into, like why it matters that he's Jewish. (laughs) (laughs) which I love that they add and that they have that mean so much to him clearly because he's wearing his yarmulke and debating on whether or not to go into his mother's Shiva and his dad clearly loves him and wants to keep him a part of the family. Um, So it, 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 that would have been great to explore more. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, it just was really interesting. So, um, well, I'm fascinated to see, where both of you are going to come down there for your ratings for Moon Knight. So what do you think? Um, I will give it 6.7 out of 10 Scarab Beetles. Mm. I thoroughly enjoyed, like I enjoyed watching it. I was entertained. I was happy. Oscar Isaac was phenomenal. And anything with Oscar Isaac automatically gets an extra point because I love him. Um, so that was, that was, uh, you know, I was entertained. I do think that there were some storytelling things I would have liked to see done differently. Um, and the hippo weirded me out, but you know, you can't, you can't have everything be your way and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I I think I'm similar to you, um, although a, a little bit harsher on it um i would give it a six out of ten um moon knives <laughs> that come out of your chest when you need them um yeah, yeah i thought those were cool um there were a lot of really cool things here but i think it was definitely a case of some things that need to be adjusted with the effects um some story areas that were gone into way too much and could have been rolled back for other ones. Um, And I think that they do get too in the weeds with whether or not the entire storyline is real or not. And if he was in a mental hospital the whole time, or if he really even has powers or it's just him going back and forth between the personalities. Um, Yeah. I think there's just a lot that's open-ended with this that didn't have to be. And that's the part that's hard for me because I do like a lot of things about it. But yeah, so close to middle of the road, but I give it a little bit extra for some of the the other cool things that they added. Mm -hmm. I am, I'd say that this is, I mean, I would give this five out of 10. Um, I think it misses the mark and I think it's frustrating because I feel like Disney has done Oscar Isaac dirty again um, because (laughs) I love him in the sequel trilogy and yet he has nothing to do. Um, And And Dune? uh, Yeah, well, Dune, that he's brilliant in. Um, But I just, I I just get frustrated because, again, I I really do think this is, uh, Oscar Isaac is a phenomenal actor. He's, he carries this show and, and makes, um, makes any part of it that is good good. I mean, he's he's the thing that that is is making that happen. Uh, it's just disappointing to me that that 
I think the show is so uneven um, and just can't seem to find itself. And I think part of that is just because they they keep just dis- they've decided that they need to keep making content for Disney Plus. But a lot of these shows would work better, I think, just as films. Um, and that's mm-hmm. you know. That's disappointing because I I think in the end you're you're hurting your show. You're hurting your characters by not putting them in their best format, and that's mm-hmm. that's that's the problem of a um, producer and a creator. Like you need to know what format your story is going to work best in. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I, I wish, I wish I felt differently because I, I, again, I a huge fan of Oscar Isaac and I really wanted to like this show because of that. Um, and I just, you know, I didn't. So I'm really interested though, because, uh, it's now that time of the show where we get to recommend some things to people that they might not know about. So Amanda, what do you want to recommend to everybody this week? Um, I'm going to go along the vein of the disassociative identity disorder and recommend Black Swan Mm. as another film about two separate personalities or alters, more likely, um, coexisting within one body and how that plays into their life experience. And it also won an Oscar. So, like, go watch it. (laughs) It's really good. (laughs) That is a trip right there yep that's that it is yep. a much darker trip than this one oh, yes so be warned yes. yeah i've never Take seen the reading it seriously <laughs> i've never seen it so what mm-hmm. it's got napport come on <laughs> well you know i mean i just didn't get around to it and mila kunis it's a great film it's true. i do love it mila has, kunis it has too. both of them so uh-huh well chrissy what about you so I uh, actually had something really cute to recommend this week okay. that um, I highly recommend people check out that will just brighten your day. Um, I discovered by accident and now I'm totally obsessed with their content, but um, it's a channel on YouTube called Zeth and Sailor, Z-E-T-H. Um, and it is a young dad and his daughter. And she's like four years old, maybe. And has the most adorable little like high pitched voice, and it's just <laughs> the two of them um, doing a live podcast on video um, where they talk about Aww. things like whether or not mermaids are real, and nice. um, they fun. go to the world's biggest bouncy house and film it, and it's just happy, funny, um, family friendly content of a dad and his daughter, and it just oh it warms my heart they're so cute so please check out zeth and sailor on instagram and youtube you will not regret it well i'm excited because i'm going to spoil everybody with two recommendations this week and they are completely different um one is i had showed my wife the godfather series and on paramount plus right now they have a show that is we're up to episode six called the offer which is about the making of The Godfather. And if you think The Godfather movies are insane, the making of the movie was even more insane. Gotta check out the offer. 
it was it's fantastic and it's got miles teller in it as well as Gino temple who's from uh ted lasso it's just um an incredible show so i i highly recommend that uh and then my wife and i uh went with her her mother for her mother's birthday uh, to see downton abbey a new era and oh Mm. my gosh it was great it was like if you just want a heartwarming trip, it's fantastic. Uh, really enjoyed it. I thought it was so well done. I actually think it's way better than the first movie that came out. It felt m- way more like the show um, and just s- seemed to fit everything better. And in all honesty, this is probably the swan song for Downton Abbey. Um, and if it is, it's the perfect end. Um, it's, it's so good. I just really enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, I don't care who knows it. So go see Downton (laughs) Abbey, a new era, but Amanda, if people want to catch up with you, follow you, especially as you're hitting a star Wars celebration, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok under the handle at twin sons, Amanda fantastic and christy you're hitting celebration as well so if people want to catch up with you where can they find you uh with amanda (laughs) 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 we're gonna be joined at the hip for a week um but yeah you can find me on instagram and twitter already joined at the abdomen with somebody else that's gonna be really awkward there's someone in between us (laughs) there's a there's a baby in there but uh we're gonna be best friends too it's fine um yeah so you can find me at um bespin bell on instagram twitter and tiktok as well and then uh, amanda and i both with our friend Teresa on sabers and spells and that is on the sky walking through neverland network skynet skynet there you go and of course uh, you could find me all over social media uh under the name matt rushing zero two twitter instagram letterboxd vero any of those type of places uh of course here on the network not only in the 602 club but have so many other shows that are going on so literary treks the orb warp five the artificial tango and saddle up literary treks about the books and the comics of star trek warp five is about star trek enterprise as we're going through talking about every single episode for the 20th anniversary of star trek enterprise and then uh, the orb is about star trek deep space nine artificial tango star trek picard we just finished season two and then saddle up is all about strange new worlds as we are in its first season so check all of those out and then of course you can find me over on the nerd party network with two shows one is a completed show with drea kaufman called owl posts as we talked about every single chapter of the harry potter series one chapter at a time And last but not least, Aggressive Negotiations with John Mills. It's a Star Wars podcast, and you got to check it out. But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? (laughs) ¶¶